after holding costs and everything, got a nice little uh, text message from my bank saying that the title company had deposited $195,450.30 into my bank account. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm with today's guest, Matthew Elner. Hi, Matthew. Hey, how you doing, Yeah, Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you as well. Matthew is joining us from my home city, Dallas-Fort Worth. I guess that's technically two cities, Dallas and Fort Worth. He's joining us from, from Dallas. I'm from Fort Worth. He's north of Frisco, for those of you familiar with the Dallas area. He's been an active investor for seven years and is a, actually has a lot of companies. First, he's the CEO of The Real Alliance, where he has helped his students do over 200 transactions in the last 12 months. He's the owner of Skyward Properties, which is a property flipping business. He's the owner of Simplified Realty, which is a brokerage focused on simplifying the complicated investor transactions. He's an author. He's a best-selling author, in fact, of Against the Grain, which was co-authored by Brian Tracy, and he's a co-author with Mark Victor Hansen and Jim Rome on the book Writing from the Heart and non-real estate related, but really interesting. He used to work in a, wait for it, wait for it, a sewer. So with that, <laughs> with that being said, Matthew, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. Talk about a crap job, Joe. That's uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you've had some listeners that have been there. That's probably one of the reasons why they're listening to you is because they're trying to get out of those uh, those jobs. And so that's uh, that's really what we're about. I love what you're about, and uh, really, you know, same thing here. Want to? I love uh, helping other investors get to the next level of investing, and and really, that's our our company, the Real Alliance. Our focus is completely on helping individuals get to their next two to three hundred thousand dollars of profit in real estate investing, even faster than they could without us. And uh, the way we do that is just really simply using the the processes and methods that uh, that I created. I, you know, like you said, it was back in the day, was working in a sewer. And I remember when I was sitting there actually literally watching stuff float by. And I remember a quote that someone gave me, the, the only difference between who you are when you graduate from high school and when you die are the people you meet and the books you read. 
And uh, that set me on a course uh, where I have sought after education and information by the best of the best for the last seven, eight years, actually 10 years, if you really start the, the process that I started on and spent many years trying to get, you know, free information to turn into the success that I wanted. Then I started to invest in myself for the real estate in between my ears. And from there, um, it's been awesome to, to create some pretty exciting uh, deals for myself. And what I love more now is just being able to help others also create that success for themselves. And so uh, we've taken the systems and the process that I built to build a business up where we work in 32 deals at a time. And we've systemized that in a way that we can help others to speed up uh, their knowledge and their implementation, which I think is key. It's all about results for us. And uh, now we're able to, to do that for ourselves as well as for uh, many, many, many other people. And, and, and so we're excited. And, and I'm glad to be able to be on here and share some of that excitement with, with others. What's the business model that you're working with the, the deals? Is it fix and flip? Yeah, we actually um, work with all the models. So we actually, I've done everything from buy and hold transactions, although I don't think right now is the right buy and hold market. Big fan of fix and flips right now with the uh, inventory levels in Dallas at anywhere from 1.4 to two months of inventory on the market. It is a great time to be flipping properties and especially high end properties right now. We are watching those numbers close in case there's a need for adjustment. I'm probably considered one of the top experts in short sales. And so we have a lot of individuals still doing short sales in today's market, which is really unheard of. But uh, we did a not deal not too long ago where we uh, bought a property that the property right across the street sold for three eighty five, And uh, let's see, we bought it for one thirty seven, dollars and it needed about $60,000 of work. So in, in an increasing market, short sales are still available. And we also have guys that are doing owner finance and uh, creative transactions as such. So really what, what we're good at is bringing the creativity into the investing. And that way, it's not just you're a one-trick pony and if the market shifts, you're, you're in trouble. It's, hey, let's figure out really how to be a creative investor so that we can now make sure regardless of where the market goes, you can continue to succeed and profit. And when you say the market, uh, as far as not being the right buy and hold market, you're specifically talking about Dallas-Fort Worth, correct? Well, I think that there's a lot of things going on around the world. There's some interesting things going on in China. There's some interesting things going on in Greece. There's some other elements in the value of the dollar that uh, potentially can create for a long-term risk as far as uh, buy and hold. Now, I'm not telling you not to buy and hold. And in fact, we you know we have guys that are buying and holding and, and there's definitely benefits to that. But there's some interesting things right now that have me in a place where I would encourage our investors to get into cash as much as possible and to be, you know, basically accruing cash as uh, as much as possible so that they could take advantage of the next shift downward. No one knows the time. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's next year. It could be five years from now. But I can tell you that there's definitely a forward movement in concerns on the long term of buying property. So what we do is we watch the markets really closely and, and it's very local based. And then uh, and right now there's nothing better than fixing and flipping because you're in and out of there and, you know, 90 days, you know, worst case scenario, six months in most cases. And so you can you can easily mitigate any risk of a downward movement in the event that you're in and out of those properties quickly. That's that's my take on it. Well, you have piqued my curiosity, my friend, as far as some of these impending issues that they're the reason why you're recommending people get into cash. So have cash so that they can take advantage of the next downturn. So let's talk about specifics. What are you specifically seeing that is indicating to you that something's a bubble, basically a bubble, right? Yeah. A bubble is going to happen in you know, next year, this year, next year, or five years, whatever. But what are those indicators that you're looking at that are making you leery? 
at a foundational level, there's just a, the, the, the reality of what goes up must come down. I think we've seen that over time. And, and we're looking here in Dallas at a two-year span of 10% increases in uh, appreciation, which is is definitely a good thing. Now, I love it, and I want it to keep going on. So so I'm not telling you to, uh, that to pull out uh, right away on your flips. But uh, what, what we are seeing is that there's been an interesting transition in the overall economy across the nation. And we have a with the baby boom and what's going on there. There's some interesting articles you can read about from a gentleman named uh, Henry Dent. Uh, sorry, is it Harry? Yeah, Henry Dent. I think Harry Dent's the Batman guy. So, <laughs> but Henry Dent, <laughs> and he's got some really interesting information. If you look at the the overall uh, situation of where we're at in the market, you will see that we have, you know, we are outspending uh, what it is that we're bringing in. The government, we, we all know that there's a tremendous amount of debt over there. The dollar is no more backed by the by gold. And so we're sitting on a situation where literally the dollar is worth what we believe it to be worth. And so how long can it continue to do that? You know, I don't know. Uh, it could be forever. We have new technologies. We have new trends. We have new models of perspectives. We have a new desire to, to have now and pay for it later. So could it sustain itself for another 10, 20 years? It could, but it would be the absolute largest bu- bubble that has ever been sustained. And so in my mind, um, with the combination of things that, that you watch out for and just see when you start seeing two, three years of increases in a market like Dallas, we're seeing the same thing in Florida, seeing similar things going on now. Now in Arizona and even California starting to pick up. Uh, we see these things going on for an extended period of time. You just need to be in a place. And it's not to be, you don't have to be scared because I was made, I made most of my money in the time frame between 2008 and 2011, the time where everybody else was like freaking out and dying. And, uh, and, and I was, you know, we were raking it in because we understood the game that needed to be played during that market. So my, my take is you, you diversify your knowledge of strategies. That's one thing no one can take away from you is your strategy knowledge. And, uh, and then when the market shifts, you shift your knowledge. Right now, we like high-end flips. As the market softens a little bit, if I start seeing inventory levels two to you know four months of inventory, depending on what area you're in, then I'm going to start moving to more of a medium price fix and flip. If I see that going up higher than you know, in, in, around here, three and a half, four, I'm going to start pulling out of fix and flips and we're going to start getting into other strategies where we can be in and out of those properties very, very quickly and be in a place where we're not at risk of a market uh, you know, hitting us at a level that we don't want to be hit. Let's talk about that inventory. It sounds like you keep really close eye on how much inventory, you know, and and when we're talking inventory, it's number of homes that are available on the market. Where do you find that information? Yeah, so in Texas, we've, we're blessed with uh, we have A and M University down there, and uh, shout out to all the A and M guys out there. Um, they've got a great research. You can just Google uh, real estate A and M, and uh, you'll find a data point there. And what you can do is it'll, they track on a monthly basis what the inventory levels are for most of the counties in Texas. And so from there, you can look. And so you can go into Collin County and you'll see somewhere around 1.4 months of inventory, which means that if we have the same number of buyers this month that we had last month, and that keeps going on, but we don't get any more houses on the market from builders or other people wanting to sell, then we run out of houses in 1.4 months. Now, obviously, there is going to be more influx of properties coming on the market, so we continue to sustain that. But what that does is it causes an upward push on the market, which is awesome, and especially for high-end homes. And that's why we've got guys seeing six-figure flips right now relatively easily because they're buying properties and they're immediately you buy a five hundred thousand dollar property in three months you know with a two and a half percent increase on that you know that's a pretty decent bump in uh, in overall value i'd have to do the exact calculations on what that adds up to but it's a it's a pretty hefty little push on your overall 
profits for yourself in the transaction. So we like that right now. But once again, if we see those numbers start going up too uh, too much, we're gonna we're gonna have to be leery. And a market should be able to sustain itself and be a positive two percent increase in value at around four to six percent. Or sorry, four to six months of inventory. And so, you know, we, we're at way, way below what we've ever seen here in Dallas and, and many, many cities around the country are now experiencing similar things. When we see that, we just know that's only going to last so long and it's either going to plateau out or it's going to, it's going to bubble and it's going to burst. So uh, just, you know, just want to be aware of those things. And where are you going to see how the market's appreciating? Same source? As far as appreciation goes, uh, the couple of resources we like, uh, I love the Realtor Confidence Index. You know, that's basically a, it boasts, it, it'll give you a future forecast on what the, all the realtors who are around the country surveyed, what they think is going on in the, you know, around the country. So, you, you know, you can look at your state and see, is your state a hot state where they think it's going to dr- experience dramatic appreciation? They think it's going to depreciate, which nobody's thinking that the market's going to depreciate in the next six months right now. So we'd have to see a dramatic mortgage percentage increase or, you know, something of the sorts that they would have to be a true bubble burst to see it uh, happen right away or very quickly. We'll probably see a plateauing out before we see any sort of downturn. And I think that plateau will give us the time to get out of any, any properties that we do have you know, you can pretty much sell any property you have within 90 days if you're if you're smart. So, do real estate agents ever think their market's going to depreciate? You know, that's a good question. That's a good question. You know, I think if you go back and you look at the the Realtor Confidence Index back in the you know 2010 2011, that you would find a you may not find a overall feeling of depreciation, but you're definitely going to find a much more conservative perspective on appreciation. And so, uh, yes, I'm definitely always taking that with a grain of salt, and I think that's a great point. <laughs> Where do you find that Realtor Confidence Index? Is that just a Google search as well? Absolutely. You can just Google search it, Realtor Confidence. Here's the thing, yeah, Joe, I'm not the smartest guy out there. I worked in a sewer, so I've had to rely a lot on Google to get where I'm going. <laughs> no, actually, uh, that and along with a lot of other smarter people than me that uh, that are out there teaching me, uh, I'm constantly, I actually just was at, in London the last week and a half, you know, soaking up information from the best minds I can find. So, uh, so I'm a big believer in just uh, always learning, doing exactly what you're providing for people, which is getting more and more information uh, so that they can act appropriately and, and rapidly in everything they're doing. You mentioned you made most of your money during, you know, 2010, 2011. What were you doing? Yeah, so that was a short sale market. So uh, what happens is when you got a downturn, you're going to have more properties on the market that are going through a distressed sell, meaning individuals uh, are motivated and they can't sell their properties prior to auction. So, or or they're having trouble selling their properties prior to going to foreclosure auctions. So what we did was we went in there and provided a solution for them that would allow them to prevent that foreclosure, which is called a short sale. I imagine some of your, at least most of your listeners have some sort of understanding what a short sale is. If not, just really simply, it's where you go in and you negotiate with the bank to take a discounted amount off of the debt that was owed to them. And by doing so, you can create a position in that property, which would allow you to buy it for a point that would make sense for you. You got to remember, they're going to sell those properties as REOs anyways, which means they're probably not going to get what they're owed no matter what. What you're doing is shortcutting that process for them and making it possible for them to forget their cash now as opposed to three, four, five, six months from now. And the market shows that they tend to get on average about 10% more 
by uh, selling through short sell than they do through an REO. Now that's an overall money in their pocket, not an overall price point of purchase. And so you can actually buy a property really, really lucratively through a short sell and then turn around and flip it. And, uh, and that's what we did. We, you know, fix those things up, flip it. We have back in the day, we used to be able to do a little bit more of the short term flips uh, where we acquired them, uh, got them under contract, found a new buyer and, uh, and we're able to go out and sell it to that new buyer. You mentioned bringing creativity to investing is really your your specialty and the different types of strategies that you you look at and you you try and find what makes the best fit for that particular situation. Can you walk us through an example where how would you approach an example where somebody is set on a certain price and you don't want to pay that price? How do you how do you approach the the different types of options that you have with the person to to still make the transaction happen? Would you imagine this is an individual or am I dealing with a realtor? Let's do both. Okay. So if I'm working with the individual themselves, it's definitely going to be different than the uh, agent. So the agent is going to be just, I'll start with that one because it's a little bit easier. Um, the agent is going to pin on the agent's experience. And if they really understand the market value of the property, a lot of times it's going to be something where I may offer them close to what they're asking or just slightly below, depending on how aggressive the market is. And then I'll come back after doing my research on the repairs, and then I'll ask them to come down after the fact. So that way I've got it, you know, it's always a bird in hand worth two in the bushel. So the real estate agent already started counting their dollars. They've already started, you know, they've probably already spent the money that they're going to make off of selling the property. And so I like to, you know, use that as leverage point for them wanting to not have to put this thing back on the market and finding somebody else. And so let's say it's an REO represented by an agent, then I'm going to go ahead and make an offer. And then I may, you know, try to come back after the fact and, you know, whittle it down another ten, fifteen thousand um, $15,000. And that way I can really create the space that I need. Now you got to start with an offer that makes sense where, you know, when you do that and you have to have repairs that will support your justification, but that's a, that's a great way to do it. Especially once again, when you have an agent involved and it's an REO property, if you're dealing with a seller, it's obviously a little more delicate. We got a long conversation about this job, but uh, uh, we actually do a lot of training with our other, you know, with our investors that we work with on how they communicate with the sellers. And I've got, you know, hours and hours of content on that, but let me, I just start with a really quick understanding that most sellers that you're working with, their number one focus is not the money. It's not how much money can I get from this property? You may think that's the case in your experience. Someone, someone listening to me, I know is like, that's bullcrap, Matt. But the truth is that is not their number one interest in most cases. What it is, is that what they do have a need for is certainty and, and sometimes significance, meaning that they have the need to be sure that they're doing the smart and right thing to look good in other people's eyes. And so I'll oftentimes when I'm communicating with a seller, I'm quickly going to try to assess is their focus really on that they're trying to be certain that the deal is going to close or is their focus more on that they're going to get the most money out of this because they want to look good or they want to be able to tell their friends that they didn't get screwed over, right? Usually that's what people are looking for is this feeling of, I didn't get screwed. So, you know, actually I was just going through this with one of our investors. He's an engineer, super sharp guy. And he was saying, Matt, what do I do? You know, I get on the phone with them. They're calling me, they're interested, but then they're like, Hey, are you an investor? And what you have to do is understand why is it that they're asking you that question? The reason why they're asking that question is because they have something in mind that they want. They want to be sure that they're going to get a fair offer for their property. And so when I hear someone ask me that, I immediately go to the point of, well, let me, let me ask you this. I, you know, most of the people I deal with, when they ask me that question, 
I would, you know, I, I find that it's because they're concerned about getting a fair offer. Is that all what it is that you're dealing with? Once I relate to them, now we've got a rapport. Now I can speak really openly and, and I'm not afraid to tell them, look, the offer I'm going to offer you may or may not work for you, but I can tell you that it's an offer that will close. And I convey that certainty that they need that the deal is going to close. When you, when you kill the need for certainty by, by giving them that, then you now put yourself in a place where you can now work on the significance play and help them to understand how significant, how important, how right they're going to feel about selling the property to you. Because maybe you're going to make it look better than somebody else is just going to be a slumlord and you know, own the property of the slumlord. Or maybe you're going to uh, be the one that's going to ensure that they get more money out of the deal. Maybe because you structured as a partial owner finance and a partial you know, rehab deal. So there's different ways. It's tough to, unless I had a specific situation on how to negotiate it. But uh, the bottom line is I'm always looking to, what are they looking for? Is it certainty or significance? And how can I best meet that need without giving them a number that doesn't make it profitable for me? I can tell you, as well as I am, are a fan of Tony Robbins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, that's I just spent the last week and a half with uh, Tony and, and uh, those guys in London. So big fan. Yes. Big fan. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and for the best of listeners, the reason why I know that is because Tony talks about the six human needs, certainty, uncertainty, uh, let's see, love connection, significance, and then the last two lead fulfillment, growth and contribution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man, that, those are the keys to the kingdom, man. If you if you can get that down and understand how to assess that in people, uh, in your relationships, in, uh, in your business partners, in your employees. I mean, that's the, that's the last part of the interview I do with them is what are their human needs? And then that way I can meet their needs and working with them in every way possible. And if I can do that, then regardless of everything else, they're going to be fulfilled. You ready? Oh, actually, just one second. We, we haven't even gotten to your best advice. I was about ready to jump into the lightning round. We've gotten so much good information so far. All right, we've got to ask the best advice ever. All right, here we go. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Yeah, the best advice I could give you real estate wise is just very simply stop looking at properties. Stop looking at the number of properties that you're looking at. Stop going to the number of properties you're going to. I know that sounds weird to say to real estate investors, but they need to understand that the money is in the deals and they need to start looking for the deals. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, making sure that you know right off the bat if it makes sense or to, if it doesn't. And if it doesn't, don't waste your time. And uh, that's, that's how I start everything that I do. And then the other, I guess the other just quick, a bit of real estate investing advice is, is just to understand there are people that know how to do it better than you and lean on them, uh, work with them, uh, pay them, you know, whatever you can do to shortcut the race uh, in, in any way possible. But I think we've given you some other good tips, definitely watching the inventory levels and some other things are all critical for uh, what you're doing, have different strategies available and, and get going. Sorry, man, I'm, I have trouble getting down to one. <laughs> That's all right. And you mentioned the money's in the deal. Stop looking at the property. Are you talking about stop physically going and looking at properties? Just look really at the numbers and, and the story behind it? Yes, yes. I see too many investors who frankly are not succeeding because they're looking at too many properties. They, they only have so much time in a week. Maybe they're part-time working a full-time job like I was and they're going out to all these properties and they're just looking at them. And the, you know, it's, it's, I'm not telling you that it's not good to do that early on and get some, get your feet on the ground. But once you really understand what a property is, what a market looks like, how much a value is in this neighborhood, then it's time to just focus on the numbers and, and start analyzing as many deals as possible. I mean, set a, set a crazy, hairy, audacious goal of of analyzing 20 properties a week you know while you're working full time and and uh, judging whether or not a 20 properties a week are a deal and if you start doing things like that all of a sudden you'll start seeing there are deals all over the place it's just a matter of looking at enough deals to get to that one that makes sense for you 
Now, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Get clarity and insight on your money by using Wella, your digital financial advisor. See all your accounts in one place and get all the answers to your questions from a real financial advisor anytime. Visit yourwella.com to get started. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A.com. Matthew, what's the best ever book you've read? Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. Yeah, that sounds fun. What's that about? What's that book about? Both long-term sustainability. And I just, you know, I'm a guy that loves the details and how do you make your management processes more effective so that you can uh, move yourself out of the business and, uh, you know, focusing mostly on the profits. Rockefeller Habits, one of the best uh, that I've seen in order to do that for sure. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Man, that, that's a hard one to nail down, and uh, there's definitely a few that I've had that have uh, cracked me open when it comes to my marriage. But this is a real estate and business uh, podcast. I'll stick to <laughs> I'll stick to that side of it. Uh, I can tell you, I'm always learning how to be a better husband, and I tell everybody. In fact, I, I live my life to date my wife and coach my kids, and uh, that's what I love doing. But uh, as far as personal growth, I would tell you there was a guy that once asked me the question. He said, "Matt, as the business owner, who should be making the decisions in your business?" And I thought, well, shoot, man, I should be. I'm finally the boss, right? That's why I fired my boss was so I could be in charge. And he just looked at me and he said, oh, that's interesting. And how's that working for you? And as I thought for a second, I realized that I had been so focused on being the boss and on being in control and being the one that makes the decisions that I'd neglected to create freedom for myself. And so it was from that day that I began to systemize, record, document every step in the processes of the businesses that I built and began to create these systematic formulas that I now use in my businesses. And it was what I realized is that the goal is not to be the one to make all the decisions, but rather the goal is to have others making the same decisions you would make, if not better. And so I'm always trying to find ways to systemize and automate and find great people that I can hire that can do the job better than I could myself. I never want to be the smartest guy on the team. Best ever success habit you practice? I call it walks of life. It's something that I get made fun of a lot, but uh, I like taking walks. Uh, you know, if you read uh, Steve Jobs' books, you'll hear a lot about his conversations with people that he would take them out and go on a walk. And you know, I just made it a habit where uh, on a regular basis I go and I'll, I'll uh, take a walk. I'll usually kind of break the walk down and uh, start out with just kind of breathing and trying to clear my mind and uh, get to a place of vacancy there so it can be filled with something other than all the junk that's been in there from the day before or the, the last moment or whatever's going on. From there, I go into gratitude and I think I'm, I'm a believer in, in a power beyond ours. So I, I, I thank him for what I have. I thank him for my wife and for my kids, Tyler and Ben and Nick and, and all the other wonderful people that I get to interact with, with the, the students, my business partners, my employees, and just let that just kind of uh, set in. Um, and then I like to, to pre-frame my day 
for the successes that I want to create and uh, just try to visualize that. I'm a big believer that uh, we do create things spiritually first and then uh, physically second. So I'm, uh, I'm constantly uh, putting myself in a place where I'm, I'm creating things before they show up. And uh, I've seen it work time and time again. So uh, that's that's one of the habits that I would say has probably been most impactful. You can uh, probably tell that that relates a lot to uh, some of the things that Tony Robbins teaches. So, uh, so right in line with them for sure. Absolutely. And very similar to what I do every morning. Best ever deal you've done? Oh man, that's you know it's interesting. Sometimes I'm most proud of the ones where that, that don't that are that are not supposed to work out and work out. But uh, this one was kind of a combination of everything. Uh, found the deal was actually a buddy of mine, and uh, he was a millionaire from a mortgage company back in the day, and ended up you know trying to sell his property with an owner finance. Didn't have the education and knowledge necessary. Guy said he'd move in, pay him a hundred thousand dollars, never paid him. And bottom line, the guy got behind on his payments and had already moved into another nice home. And so we got in there and he had over a million dollars of debt. Now, at this time, I probably the biggest house I'd done was about $250,000, $280,000 of value. And so this was quite a leap for me to jump into a million dollar property. But, you know, I said, you know what? Principles are the same. Let's see what I can do. And so what I did was I went out there and we, we began to work with the bank. Uh, the bank sent out someone to evaluate the property. The value came in at three hundred and sixty thousand dollars and if you don't if you don't know anything about short sales the bank will generally take a little bit off of that I had actually originally offered them 380 but once I found out that they had uh, got a a valuation of 360 I rescinded that (laughs) offer quickly and lowered it anyways we ended up negotiating that thing down to three hundred and fifty thousand dollar purchase price we ended up having a uh, back-end buyer that uh, we were gonna sell it for later on but before let me actually tell you one little thing that happened was really interesting was as we were going towards the purchase, I uh, I was fixing to uh, close on it, and you can tell I'm Texan here. But uh, we uh, we were heading to close, and uh, pulled up the title, and there was a 2.2 million dollar lien that had been attached to the property, and I was like, oh my goodness, we're gonna lose this deal. Fortunately for me, my network was big enough. I was able to actually contact the guy, discuss with him what he was doing and how that was going to impede me from uh, getting the deal done. He said, well, aren't you going to make some money on the deal? I want some of that money. I said, well, you got to understand that if I don't do the deal, then there is no money on the table because uh, it's currently debted at over a million dollars and there's no value. It's not worth anywhere near that. He said, well, okay. And he finally was willing to withdraw the lien. We got the lien withdrawn. We bought it for $350,000 and uh, we did about, uh, I think it ended up being about $38,000 of work on the property and sold it for $650,000. And uh, after holding costs and everything, got a nice little uh, text message from my bank saying that the title company had deposited $195,450.30 into my bank account. So that was a, that was a decent year that day. That's awesome. That's, that's a great story. A lot of fun, a lot of fun, man. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? You know, man, after you make a lot of money, I think that what happens is you start to transition to, to trying to find out where things are really fulfilling. And you talked about those six human needs and the need for growth and contribution. And so I'm not going to pretend like I don't have some selfish natures in me at all and that I don't like to make money. I absolutely do. But I get incredibly thrilled with, you know, stories like a guy that I was talking to this morning, one of our coaching students, and he's just brand new with us and has got a deal he tied up for 95000 And he's turning around and selling it for 140 with all the expenses and everything. He's going to net out $40,000 
dollars of profit, and he's not even he doesn't he's not even bringing cash to the table. People think this stuff is you know unheard of, but uh, it really works, and uh, we know how to make it work. And it's been it's I just I love the success stories. I got a guy that's a pizza delivery guy manager that's now done over a million dollars in real estate. I got a guy that was a school teacher just quit his job and bought a brand new car. I mean, it's just people's lives being impacted is what excites me, and and having a, a resource and a tool. I remember the first person that trusted me you know, with their money to go through our processes. And I honestly, I was nervous. And when they turned out a $37,000 check, I was like, okay, maybe we got something here. And, uh, and so really what I'm excited about now is we're taking that model We're we're taking it, you know, nationwide city by city. We believe in local communities where people can work with other people in their local community. So we're in Dallas right now. We're expanding into uh, Houston and we're actually launching streaming trainings as well, where people can get access to what we do uh, from all, all over the country. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming down the line. I just love growth. I love uh, making a difference for people and you know, money never hurts uh, either. So best ever way you like to give back. We love Habitat for Humanity. What uh, you know, being in the housing business, it's a great way to, to to give people homes. And I love that they don't just give the people the homes; they actually finance them at about seventy cents on the dollar with no interest. So they really get to learn how it is that uh, the home ownership should take place. But yet they get it at a place where they can afford it. So love giving back through Habitat for Humanity. Best ever quote. Just heard this one last week, and it's definitely taken the top rung. Hell on earth would be to meet the person. I could have been. And you may want to think about that one for a second, but uh, I sure as heck hope not to get to the end of my life and meet the person that I could have been. I'm planning on being that guy. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Biggest mistake I make uh, made is I had a guy, he needed a job. I said, man, I'm going to save money. I'm going to pay this guy 15 bucks an hour to manage my project. He had some experience. I vetted him out a little bit, but uh, chose to you know, pay someone basically to manage a project on an hourly basis. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, that thing went $35,000 over what it should have gone uh, if I had hired someone that was per deal or, or, or project base. So just, just be careful when you're helping people out that you don't give up the business principles. Um, I've learned that that my most often I lose money when I break my rules. And so my rules are that uh, profit comes first because that's what helps me make the most people, uh, help the most people in my real estate investing business. And lastly, Matthew, what's the best ever place to reach you? Well, the best ever place to reach us is over there at www.therealalliance.com. And I tell you what we'll do is uh, I'll get loaded up on that site in the next day or two, a special for your, your listeners uh, exclusively. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them the ability to get my REI core audio at no additional cost for them if they like what they've heard. Um, and as a thanks to you and, and everything you're doing to, to let us get out there, um, what we'll do is we'll put that in there, um, put uh, for uh, realalliance.com forward slash uh, Joe's gift. So Joe's gift. And, uh, we'll give that, uh, on behalf of you, Joe, for all your listeners. Sounds like a plan, my friend. And Matthew, thank you so much for being on the show and talking from Tony Robbins to sewers, to real estate markets and everything in between. I mean, this is, this has been great. I, I like some of the takeaways. I was taking notes the whole time, but some of the, some of the ones I've highlighted now I'm looking back on the notes is diversify your knowledge of strategies and when the market shifts you need to shift your knowledge i really like that quote that you mentioned that you said and uh giving some specific resources for texas in particular just google real estate a&m and it hurts me to say that because i went to texas tech but that's okay real estate a&m and then also realtor confidence index something that we can all look at for regardless of the market it sounds like and then you know, bringing creativity to investing Love the approach where you talk about the approach with the agent. Ask them to 
uh, you know, to, to get an idea of, of what the purchase price they, they're looking for, give them something close to that, and then depending on the market conditions and everything else, go back, do your due diligence, and then you can justify a lower price. Or if you're dealing with the seller, then really identify those two human needs that are important in this situation, certainty and significance, see which one or multiple ones, uh, if they're both, are really driving, and then quickly address those through through conversation. One of the things that you said is this offer may or may not work for you, but it will be fair. And then give give them that certainty that they're they're going to get a fair deal so that they, they do have that ability to kind of go out and with their held, head held high. And then I, I really like the as a business owner, who should be making the decisions in your business. And then you know, how you mentioned you know, creating freedom for yourself by having others in there to make the same decisions or better decisions as you do. And that's really the, the key. Uh, and then hell on earth would be to meet the person I could have been. Very powerful stuff. Reminds me of something that Les Brown says when he, he goes through um, one of his presentations where he talks about it at, at your deathbed, you know, meeting the, the ghosts of, of who you could have been. So thank you so much, Matthew. Appreciate you being on the show and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.